welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Good crowd today. We have Jen and Heidi and Tina and Brian and Lou and Oscar and Scotty. Good to have everyone today. Any announcements, go to BuddyC.org. Look under resources. Lots of good things there for you. We're going to be talking about the 14th verse of the Tao Te Ching today. Let's just go ahead and jump in. Let's jump in. Anyone got a particular translation they would like to read? I'll read the star while you guys are getting your thoughts together. I like looking at these or talking about them and not preparing because that way, hopefully we can see from our heart rather than our head, not overthink this stuff, preparing notes and all that type thing. Here's verse 14 in the Jonathan star translation. Eyes look, but cannot see it. Ears listen but cannot hear it. Hands grasp, but cannot touch it. Beyond the senses lies the great unity, invisible, inaudible, intangible. What rises up appears bright. What settles down appears dark. Yet there is neither darkness nor light, just as unbroken, just as unbroken dance of shadows. Yet there is neither darkness nor light, just an unbroken dance of shadows. Okay, that's the way to say it. From nothingness to fullness and back again to nothingness. This formless form, this imageless image, cannot be grasped by mind or might. Try to face it. In what place will you stand? Try to follow it. In what place will you go? Know that which is beyond all beginnings, and you will know everything here and now. Know everything in this moment, and you will know the eternal Tao. Man, that's full. Other translations, guys? I have Wayne Dyer from, I just have Wayne Dyer reading. Okay. All right, 14. That which cannot be seen is called invisible. That which cannot be heard is called inaudible. That which cannot be held is called intangible. These three cannot be defined. Therefore, they are merged as one. Each of these three is subtle for description. By intuition, you can see it, hear it, and feel it. Then the unseen, unheard, and untouched are present as one. Its rising brings no dawn. It's setting no darkness. It goes on and on, unnameable, returning into nothingness. Approach it, and there is no beginning. Follow it, and there is no end. You cannot know it, but you can be it, at ease in your own life. Discovering how things have always been brings one into harmony with the way. Thank you, Tina. Anyone else? By intuition, you can see it. 
You cannot know it, but you can be it at ease in your own life. See, the Stephen Mitchell says, look, and it cannot be seen. Listen, it cannot be heard. Reach it, it cannot be grasped. Above it isn't bright. Below it isn't dark. Seamless, unnameable. It returns to the realm of nothing. Form that includes all forms. All right. Okay. Form that includes every form. Just like Star said, the formless form, the imageless image. Image without an image. Subtle beyond all conception. Approach it and there's no beginning. Follow it. There's no end. You can't know it, but you can be it at ease in your own life. Just realize where you come from. This is the essence of wisdom. At ease in your own life. How would this apply to recovery? When you're thinking about, let's just use the Stephen Mitchell, because we all can have that in front of us. as an outline to discuss this because it's a lot of moving parts in this. When I came in, I was just wanting to stop the pain, right, in recovery. So I looked and looked before I came to AA, and I could not see it. I listened, but I could not hear it. Did y'all have the same experience that you grasped and looked and tried, and you could not figure the thing out? Yeah, I had the same experience. Definitely, when I came into the rooms, but I felt it was there. Yes. I I knew it was there. It There was something there which I couldn't hear. I couldn't touch. I couldn't see. I didn't know what it was. And actually, until I realized the potential of the second step, which is the solution, I understood what it was. I experienced so i and i think this verse is the closest to god that all of the Tao Te jing will get in an experience even if you read especially when you read this jonathan star and i experience what it says here and now it's all it's about everything it's about spirit it's about god it's about the biggest it's about the smallest it's about it all together, all in one. It's really, and I can talk for 60 minutes now, <laughs> which I will not do because it's, I can grasp it in my heart, but I cannot, words are not able to catch it fully. But we can get close, maybe. But I, but I like the reference to the rooms, coming into the rooms coming into rooms of Cocaine Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, you feel, okay, there is something different here which I never experienced anywhere. And I can't touch it, I can't see it, I can't hear it, but it's there. Thank you. Oscar, it doesn't say, it does say it can't be heard, can't be seen. Maybe if, okay, we can't see it because we're trying to see it within our own abilities. We try to understand. This. Yes. We yeah. try to understand it. And that's why we go wrong. <laughs> How do you see the second step? You mentioned the second step. How do you I, interpret I, that? For me, the first step is the definition of the problem. 
And the second step is the definition of the solution. Or the, and the following steps are working from the problem to the solution. Anyone else? I know this one's heavy. It's interesting. It starts with our senses. Look, listen, reach. And the second stanza is more of us observing. The first is physical action. We're looking, we're listening, we're reaching. And the second one is what we see, what we can observe in that. Above, it isn't bright, which above is always brighter, (laughs) or usually. And then below isn't dark, seamless and unnameable. We were talking about the second step. And what do you think that restoration to sanity that it talks about in the second step? How do you interpret that? I I don't know how you were in addiction, but I was insane. Yeah. And my insanity actually is my sickness. So the dope and the alcohol is not my sickness. It's the symptom of the sickness. The sickness is inside my head and it's called my ego. And it's negative. And it's it makes trouble. It makes things worse than they are it's negative it's down it's and it always leads me in my case to dope or alcohol or behavior which is getting me high so that's my disease and the willingness to surrender to a higher power which can bring me back to sanity is in fact letting me live with the disease without the disease controlling me. So my ego won't disappear. It will always be there, but it's not in charge anymore. Thank you. Thank you. That's the being, being it and being at ease. Because I think outwardly, the way that we see this or recovery in general is, are we at ease? Or are we disturbed? That's the real question. And if I'm not at ease, what do I need to surrender? Or how am I looking and listening and reaching and grasping? Because if I'm reaching and grasping and trying to figure it out, which is what that's talking, I think that's what that's saying, then I'm not going to be at ease. I'm not going to be with life or in the moment going to be fighting going to be fighting that's the last two sentences of of jonathan star is know everything in this moment and you will know the eternal Tao. and yeah and for me you can change this in the eternal Tao is the same as a higher power or for me it's the same as a higher power or as god it's those are just words i can read god here too so know everything in this moment and you will know the eternal Tao or God or you know yourself or everything or the universe or whatever. You'll know what is. Yeah, and then you're at ease. Of course, you're at yeah. ease. You don't have any ego anymore. As long as you have an ego, you're not at ease. I am not at ease. When I when my, I listen to my ego and it is in charge. But yes. when my ego is silent, I am at ease, yeah. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality. 
This is page 85 in the big book. Safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. This is our experience. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Yeah. Now, the third stanza. Now, y'all interrupt me if you've got something, guys. Y'all, it returns to the realm of nothing. Form that includes all form image without an image subtle beyond all conception. So why do we think we can figure any of this out? It's beyond what we can even conceive. I I recently had a shift spiritually. I went from calling it a higher power to the higher power. Because in reality, there's only one. (laughs) There's one. I didn't realize in a 24-hour book. They always call it the higher power in the meditation of the day section of that. And I was like, why do they call it? That just sounds so clunky. I have to surrender to the higher power. It's almost like a, it doesn't sound right. And, but then I realized what it was talking about. It's just this one moment is all there is. That's why it's the, but that shift was from a head to a heart knowledge, but that gets into all these words do an insufficient job of describing this. Heidi. I just have a question. Okay. So when you were saying like, know the eternal doubt and know God, and then you were relating it, were you relating the position of neutrality Were you relating that to that? Yeah, that we don't fight that anymore, Heidi. That we don't fight or we give up the quest to figure life out or to figure our recovery out or figure God out. Yeah. So God, when you, okay. Okay. That's so awesome. That's so good. That's changed a lot for me. Like they are. So simple. I was sharing this in the meeting the other day, like that I can complicate the shit out of like my spirituality even. But things like that, it's just, it's just so easy. God is just so easy, you know? And that like, if I just stop, just stay like in the moment, God's right here. This is it. Yeah. May you find him now, you know? So, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Oh, and also, Oscar, I'm coming to the Netherlands in February, and I would love to, like, hook up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Don't look at me like that, buddy. (laughs) Okay. But Oscar's living in Italy right now. Are you going to be back in the Netherlands by then, Oscar? In February, I'm in the Netherlands, yeah. Okay. It's a small place. Everyone knows everyone. So I'm sure y'all can get together for a cup of coffee. It's only 70 million people. So, yeah. (laughs) Couple of drunks raising some hell in the Netherlands. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can't know it. We've got to give up the quest to know. Scotty. 
Hey, everybody. Good morning or afternoon, wherever on the planet you are. The star translation right in the middle says, from nothingness to fullness and back again to nothingness. And that made me think a lot about coming into the rooms. At the end of my drinking career was insanity, but it was also autopilot. Um, wake up, worry about drinking, start drinking, worry and lie about my drinking and continue out through the day. There wasn't a whole lot of anything else. It was just straight line to the end of the day. And then coming into AA, I started to become full of something else. Hope, recovery, spirituality, all those things started to take up space that there's a different method. There's a different way to do this. And as I became full of the spirit of recovery and humility and gratitude and all these things that we, that I started to experience, it created more space. It created emptiness, nothingness. It made space for me to be a better dad, to help other people in the program, to just be a better person. And it's a different version of autopilot. It's no longer just flying through a shitstorm. It's noticing what's going on around me and being able to be present in more times of the day. The more emptiness I can find, the more nothingness that I create, the better off it is for me. And it reminds me a little bit of the 12th tradition, that anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. When I came in it, my anonymity was what was protecting me. Nobody can know that I'm an alcoholic. Nobody can know these problems I have. And as I go further through recovery, I find out that it does that my, for me, the anonymity doesn't mean that. It just means that whoever I think I am isn't important anymore. My ego, the things that I consider to be so important aren't. Because ultimately when I meet somebody else in a recovery space, whether you want to argue about the principles of the program or you're just looking for help, we're just the same person. We're just looking to find a different and better way. And it doesn't matter my personality. That nothingness, initially reading it, it's like nothingness can't be a good thing. I can't be full of nothing. But of it's nothing. just creating space. Yeah. It's allowing other things to be there. I thought I'm you were going to do, to do our wits a quote, Scotty. You didn't do I it. Was all. Tiptoeing my way down there. <laughs> I, I canceled at the last second. I'll read it then. The way of heaven. This is from the Wentza, verse forty, verse thirty-nine. The way of heaven is to lower the elevated and raise the depressed, to reduce the excessive and augment the insufficient. Now, this is the line that I've never thought about this way before. I read this rivers and seas are located where there is a lack of earth. And so the world resorts to them and honors them. The reason there's an ocean there is because there's room for it. There's a lack of earth. That's what this 14th verse I think is talking about. Heidi. Hey, Jen. Oh, Jen. Um, Okay. This reminds me of what we talked about a few weeks ago about the cup. And having your cup open and being able to receive and fill with the power of God with your cup open. This is what that reminds me of. Yes. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Oh, hi. Hi, Tina. Uh, So many good things have been said. 
the I really like that Betty the Rivers and Ocean is Lack of Earth. That's great. And it, what I'm thinking of here is the I loved talking about when Oscar brought up the second step and calling it the solution. What I'm getting is life, eternal life has been the same and it will continue to be the same no matter what we do or think. And I think <clears throat> that's also to me <clears throat> the same as when I was trying to quit drinking. There's two sides to that coin. It's almost like a mini enlightenment when you when I hit that bottom and I realized that I couldn't do this anymore. And but here's how I'm relating sobriety to the way is sobriety has always been there. I had my awakening and chose to participate in sobriety and that thing, the thing that we can't touch, feel, or name in AA for me was the peace and openness to say whatever I need to say and not have it be judged. And I feel that in, in AA or any, any program that people are trying to be better is that's where the support is. And that's where the unnameable is. It's the feeling of I'm not alone and community. And there's just so many things that I'm trying to name, but I can't name it because it's unnameable. So I'm searching for what are these feelings I'm after? And I actually found a spot. I found a spot in chapter two <clears throat> towards the end that says in there is a solution. <clears throat> Says, okay. So the story, they're talking about the personal stories and describes in their own language, the point of view. Okay, so each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view, the way he established his relationship with God. And I like that they talk about that's his point of view. That's his relationship with God. And it doesn't have to be mine. It's because everything has to be my idea. Don't try to tell me what to do or put things in my mind because then I'm going to reject them longer. That's I'm not proud of that attribute, but it's the reality of what I do. These so. I like it says these give a fair cross section of our membership and a clear cut idea of what actually happens in their lives. But the last chapter is where I feel like it ties it together. We hope no one will consider these self revealing accounts in bad taste. Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see these pages. And we believe that it's the only that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. So sobriety and the way have always been there. It's my choice to participate in them. And that those are some of my thoughts. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So how do we move from looking, listening, reaching to giving up the idea to know and just being with what is what is? in a place of ease and rest and peace, which I've heard people talk, several talk about peace as being synonymous with ease. I think Tina. Thanks buddy. 
synonymous with peace and what is. Oh, what the one thing I wanted to say from when Scotty was talking about being unconscious versus conscious on that autopilot where you're not really thinking, you're just doing. So it goes from peace to no peace from all these things, but still that's still the way and that's still sobriety because you have to have those teachable moments and you have to have teachable and you have to remain teachable. So there's things we do have to do, but, um, but it's even when we are acting un in, in acting with our, our character defects flaring up, that's still the way and that's still sobriety. And it's still part of the process. Even if you drink, you're still working on your sobriety. I'm, it's part of it. The dips and the, the lack of earth, you could say that's lack of your program, lack of um, living the way. And to me, to me, it's just, that's part of it. So I have to say that to myself because I'll say I'm not working a good program today or I'm not being very spiritually fit, but that's judgment, but that's okay. That's where I'm at. And that's how I learn. And that's how I realize I don't want to act that way anymore. or I don't want to behave that way anymore. And I do it daily because I still act that way and I still behave that way. And I have to remember that at any moment, when if, if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, jet lagged, whatever, I could drink. I could go off on behaviors that are my my character defects. So <clears throat> I have to look at my whole sobriety program, even before and after, like it says, the Tao is still sobriety. I choose to participate in it. And yeah, there is something that you can't touch. But I find it here. I find it on this Tao meeting. And it's there's a commonality of no judgment. And I love that because I love hearing what you guys say. It puts things in my mind I really that I never think of. So I just want to say I appreciate all of you guys with your input. It's really helpful. And buddy, I love you. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, dear. How about that idea? Tina, you reminded me of the Tao quote that every step is on the path. I needed all of those bottoms or I wouldn't be here still in everyday life. When I'm fighting and not at ease, that's when I'm filling space that could hold water. We have an ocean because there's a lack of earth. We're filled because we're empty. <laughs> so how do we get empty? Lou. I think it's how you greeted me this morning, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> accepting what it, what is and surrender. I mean, acceptance and surrender. I don't know if I can explain what I'm thinking very well, but I'm thinking back to what Oscar and Scotty and Tina were saying about the ego and how the ego gets in the way. And then when the ego gets in the way, the ego wants to argue with itself <laughs> about whether it's in the way or not. Yes. And when we come into those, when we're flowing and things are going good, and then we hit one of those boulders, do we try to ram it, ram it out of the way, or do we just accept it and flow around it? So we, when the program's not going so good that day, do we just do we try to double down and work real hard and do those things, or do we say, oh, the program's not working very good today? I have to surrender to that and, and get back in the flow. Um, I don't know. I guess the best I can say it's about keep trying to keep 
not trying, but removing the ego to the extent that we can and accepting that it's not always going to be the case and just go around that with the Tao. Thanks, Lou. And all these ideas, they, they can't be put into words adequately. That's why it's not about knowing, it's about being. Because to know would infer to me that I'm able to explain that I've got a, my head around what's going on. But I've had to give up that need to know. That's the real issue for me, is that need to figure this thing out. So can I live in a place where I'm willing to be without having to have it all figured out in my head? To give you an example. Talk about this all the time that when I came in, I was the idea of when I help you, I'm really helping me took years and years to jail. So when I have issue, I help you. That's me sitting knowing aside because I don't know how that works. Why do I feel better when I'm kind? It looks like I'd feel better when I got my way. But instead, I feel better. It's like the resentment prayer. I feel better when I pray for the person I resent. How in the world would that make me feel better? Makes no sense. Oscar. Yeah. What your questions remind me of the what I read as a revelation in the Course in Miracles is the fact that giving and receiving is one thing. And it's not two things. Yes. So in our world, giving, I give you something and then you receive it and it's a linear thing. But then they, in this book, they give the uh, uh, a possibility to practice it with just one thought of love. So I think with love about you. And at the same time, I give this thought to you at the same moment, I feel it in me. So I receive it at the same time as I give it. So giving and receiving is one thing. It's not two things. And then you are in a non-dual world where this book is also about, of course. Yeah, that's what I, that was, was my thoughts about the miracle of how can be it's so good for ourselves to give something away. Yes, that's where the ease is, Oscar, that we're looking at here. And then there's a promise here, too. If you look at Mitchell, the second from the bottom stanza, approach it and there is no beginning, follow it and there is no end. That's a good thing. Scotty. Hey, guys. And the last the last sentence on the first stanza for the star translation says beyond the senses lies the great unity invisible and audible and intangible. And that reminds me, everything you guys are just talking about that need to understand, to know what it is I'm praying at or towards or for it's would so, well, what's your higher power? So over a long time, I just tried to scramble and explain what I thought God was. And I feel like for me, the best answer is just, I don't know. And I never really felt comfortable answering any questions really with, I don't know, that need to figure out, the need to understand, 
to have everything in order and in line. But it says right here that it's beyond the senses is where it lies. I can't really understand it. And it also made me think of a quote. I don't know who said this, but a a change happens when I change from I'll believe it when I see it to I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see the results when I just take action. And it feels a little bit like acting my way into right thinking. Just take the action and you'll see the results. I don't really have to understand what it is I believe in. I just have to believe it. And that makes it a little bit easier. I don't have to solve the problem. What if there is no problem to solve? <laughs> I'm just creating the problem in my own mind. That's it, Scotty. That's oh. it, man. There is no problem to solve. Mm. We're playing in the sandbox, thinking what we're doing is real. Oscar. I, I think it's beautiful what Scotty just said. It's and I think it it comes back to the second step again. So we're back at the second step. You just have to believe. You you, you only need to take the decision to believe there is a higher power, which I don't have to define. I don't have to understand. I don't have to. I don't have to explain anything. I just have to believe it, and I have to believe that it's capable of bringing me back to sanity, and then it can happen. If I follow the action. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. You know, Oscar, Thank you very much. Oscar, you could even take it a step back from that. Let's say you don't have a God belief or you're atheist or whatever, and you don't have a belief in a God. That's fine. Why don't you just start loving people and see if your life doesn't change? You don't have to have belief. You just have to have action. That's been my experience. Yeah, I can take it a step. That restoration is me choosing to love over living in my fear. Like I always lived before, which is why I drank in the beginning anyway, was to escape because my need to know could never be satisfied because my life did not match what I believed. I was like, something's wrong here. This doesn't make sense. And I could not figure the thing out. And I still can't. I still can't figure it out. That's the whole point. I give up that need to figure it out. Yeah, good conversation today, guys. I was reminded of the Bible quote too: be still and know that I am God. It didn't say believe and know or do the commandments and know or some of that stuff. It just said be still, be still. And the knowing moves from a a head knowing to a heart knowing, which is a different kind of knowing. You can heart know. That's being, really. Tina. Scotty, you nailed what I was trying to say about the second step and about whenever I talked about the 42 personal experiences that are to follow the first 164 pages. Those are everyone's experiences, their taste, smell, what they think happened, how they perceived perceived or real, these things that go on. And somebody said, what if there are no problems to be solved and they're in our head? And I was like, but see, like, I love that question because it was a realization at that point. Wait, what if the problems are in our head? And they are. Everything's in our head. And buddy, when you said, be still and know that I'm God, that's the only, in my belief, 
what I think the only place God is in the present moment is when you're still. It's not in the past or the future because that's perceived anyways. It's real to us, but it's not real. It's the only thing that's real is right now. And then I wanted to say when, when Scotty said there is no problem to solve, maybe that's the case. Um, it reminds me of that when I saw Neil Donald Walsh speak and he said, I just want everyone here to know that your problems have already been solved for you. When there's no problems to be solved, it will be solved. You're either die from addiction and that will solve that problem, but it won't be, it just, it doesn't matter. It, there will be an answer. It may not be the answer we want, but there it goes with, I've survived every bad experience I've, I've been through so far. And again, part of the process. So that just tied it all together for me. So moving to a life of ease, really. Someone mentioned the effort that we put out and this nothingness, this emptiness, let's not confuse that with doing nothing because it's not doing nothing. It's taking the correct action, compassionate action. That's always where my solution is, is in how can I get love or compassion into this situation? What can I do? And also to separate myself from the situation because I'm not my thinking. So how do I get that 30,000 foot view of what's really going on? Because when I'm down in it, I cannot see it. It doesn't make sense. Then I try to work harder, do better, like Lou was talking about, to figure the thing out. But that's not possible. It is impossible for me to figure it out. Impossible. So we have this option to empty and live in ease. And there's only water there because there's a lack of earth. So in our own life, how can we create the place for emptiness or a higher power, whatever names we want to put on love, whatever names we want to put on this? And I think the way we do that is like we've been talking is removing the there's a doubt. There's a AA quote of that. We remove the I'll have to look it up, remove the hindrances. And really, it's about a stepping out of the way. It's back to that kitchens quote that I like that we hold on. I want to hold on a second. Okay. I won't read the whole quote. This is a book. I was a pagan BC kitchen. Uh, he got sober in the Oxford groups before uh, AA and he was in a businessman's group with Bill Wilson. So I know we know that this influenced Bill Wilson's thinking kitchen published this book in 1935 and he said that i had to put god first let me just read the whole thing these ambitions hypocrisies and vices were not drained out when i transferred my belief in one plan or philosophy of life to another that's the searching looking all of that they were not drained out by making New Year's resolutions, and they were not disposed of by going to psychoanalysts or by going to church. They were drained out, listen to this, 
by stopping the self-effort to get rid of them, by letting God take hold to do the job and by putting God first in life. And he goes on to talk about when I turn things around and put God at the head of the list, when I ceased, this is the line I really like, when I ceased struggling to pull myself up and stepped out of the way so his light could shine down to me. That's what we're doing here is we're learning to step out of the way. That's the emptiness. That's the giving up of the need to know that we just step out of the way and allow and be. And when fear was running my life and I had a foundation of fear, that was impossible because I was always grasping to protect, to pacify my fear. That's what all of life was about was pacifying fear. Everything. When I think back and look, it was all about pacifying fear. And when I learned to, through the program and the surrender that the program brings and making the amends and turning my will and my life over to the care of love and all those things helped to create the emptiness that allows this life. Yeah. That's the being. That's the being. Anything else in that before we close, guys? It's been a good meeting. Been real good. Thank you. Buddy, I was just thinking um, we don't solve our problems, but they dissolve through yes. the down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's a whole shift in thinking, Lou, because a lot of us, we're programmed to fix. The way I was taught in business was find a need and then beat it. That's me fixing <laughs> on the surface. You know, it's I can, it's I the Alan on motto, buddy. We'll yes. <laughs> yes. And how do I know that I'm still trying to fix and trying to figure out I'm not at ease. I had a situation I wasn't at ease with this week. And what I normally do is when the situation comes up, I talk to my sponsor about it. And once I verbalize it and get it out of my head, many times I start seeing the solution before I even get through sharing it. <laughs> As I'm talking about it, I say, oh, this is what I need to do. But that did not. I created the emptiness by sharing it because I was vulnerable. And when I do that, I'm stepping out of the way. So we could overthink this whole thing, even this verse about not about just knowing we could overthink it to to try to figure out how to know it. <laughs> I do that all the time. So what's the takeaway today? It's just giving up the need to know, create space by me being vulnerable and honest and choosing to help you instead of fixating on me. And help does not mean fix. It's not my job to fix you, but it's my job to love you. My job to be compassionate. Reminds me of going to the funeral home when somebody passes. I had a, a friend that was very, he's very opinionated. He's got it all figured out. But when he goes to the funeral home, we had some mutual fr a mutual friend that passed. He just patted the guy on the back and just loved him. Didn't try to. Give him the reason why this happened, like we try to do it a lot of times 
when death's involved. Why did this happen? God has a plan. That whole thing. We try to justify. We try to know. We try to know. And what he would do is just love them. He just loved them. He was just there. And I learned a lot from that. I could do the same thing in other situations. Am I there trying to explain to you why this has happened and try to make it make sense? Or am I just there to be of help? And that can apply to anything. It doesn't have to be something like a death to apply to. It can apply to how I react to anyone in life or how I accept people or how I'm open-minded or any of those things. And that's what creates the ease that we're talking about. Yeah. It's interesting. We can have this whole conversation and I really know as far as figuring this thing out, no more than I knew before we started, but I know what actions I need to take. And I know the result of those actions and it's the peace and joy we're looking for. Yes, that's good. Thank you. Giving up the need to know anything else before we close. Okay. You guys have a great day. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.